on now, Steve. Bring us together. pulpit tonight. Um, I am um, pastor, church planter in St. Paul, and we worship at 4.30 on Sundays. So you could come here sometime, some Sunday morning, and then go home and take a nap and have a sandwich. And then um, I know you're working through some construction around here, but there's ample time after your nap to find your way um, to join us for worship sometime. So this is your formal invite. Come anytime you want. Um, We call this story the feeding of the 5,000, but we also know in those ancient of days times, they only counted men. So um, I think it's more like 20,000. So let's just pause for a moment and give thanks for a tiny bit of progress that we now count women and children. Um, Well, the Lutheran church would be sunk if we only counted men (laughs) in our annual reports. We know that. Um, We need everyone. So uh, women and children, especially, this is a word for you. Um, 20,000 people strong. When is the last time you were in a crowd of 20,000 people? Um, I actually was over the weekend. I spent the weekend at Eau Claire Music Festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Was anyone else there? Um, it, it was the third time this um, festival has happened, and I've gone all three years. And my nerdy preacher heart looks around at those 20,000 beating hearts out there in the Wisconsin woods, getting um, sunburned and rained on, um, torrential rain this year. Um, and I look around and think, oh. 20,000 people, a couple little barley loaves and a couple small fish. That's not much in this crowd. It would take a miracle. So the gospel story for today, no one has brought lunch provisions, right? There's no food trucks planned for this event. There are no vendors on board sponsoring it, no pop-up shops, no camp cooks. No one has packed a giant picnic basket, uh, except for that one little boy, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. It's just a huge, hungry crowd. Hungry, because the word of Jesus had traveled from mouth to ear, from mouth to ear, like it always does. Like it always does, and continues to do through stories. So which of these stories is yours, of healing? of hearts lifted, of demons cast, of thirst quenched, of life given, of dead raised, of paradigms blown apart, of new stories given again. All that good news, people were buzzing about it. So they came looking for more. And Jesus was totally unfazed by it. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, actually. And that crowd found him there. I wonder what it would look like to have a crowd of that size come looking for you as you pray on a mountain. The disciples looked at that crowd coming toward Jesus and toward them and immediately assessed that it was big. And they are 
hungry. Spiritually, perhaps, but physically, definitely. Do you feel maybe your own belly rumble this very moment? And now imagine a throng of hungry people around you. And Jesus sees it all. Jesus sees them all. And he asks his disciples, well, now what? What's the next faithful step? And Philip gets out a piece of paper and a pencil and he pushes up his glasses and he quickly does a bit of math and he calculates the actual cost of feeding that crowd. And this makes me love Philip so much because I do not have these skills. There he is with his clipboard and his spreadsheet and he's got the number locked down. Well, it's going to cost about this much. And Andrew offers, hey, what about this kid? He's got a little something his mom packed him. Now, I have always heard this story from like, oh, and the kid wants to share. But kids did not have any power then. So I think they took his lunch from him. I think we have been telling that story wrong forever. And the little boy's probably panicking because he is the one who has planned ahead. Nobody else has. And Jesus just basically says, okay, everybody take a load off. Have a seat. Sit down on the grass. Find some shade in a mustard shrub, perhaps. And Jesus gives thanks. And he breaks that bread. And he takes the five loaves and the two little fish and he feeds the whole glorious crowd, every beating heart in that crowd. And everyone was filled with good things. Not just a little taste, not a foretaste, but until they were satisfied. Not only was everyone filled, but there were leftovers. Twelve baskets left over. And Jesus instructs his disciples to go out and collect all the leftover bits so that nothing is wasted. Gather up the fragrance, fragrance, the crust, The crumbs, the half-eaten loaves, the little nibbly parts. Gather up the fragments so that nothing is wasted. So that nothing is lost. Gather up the fragments so that no one is lost. Can you imagine this scene of abundance? We have weird ideas of abundance in America. I think we first think about Chinese buffets. Where, right? Where the food is, right? Yes, delicious. And the food is piled as far as the eye can see. And if one is running low, somebody comes from the back and refills it. There's so much that you can take a bite of something. And if you don't like it, you can just set it aside and take a new plate. Right? Abundance in this country is seen as we have enough to waste. But Jesus is different. With Jesus, nothing is wasted. No one is wasted, left behind or out. No one is lost. And when we feel like all we have is nothing, a bit of bread, a crumb, surely not enough, actually nothing, God in Christ Jesus laughs and says, Oh, I'm really good at making something out of nothing. A rib here, a little dust there, 
life from dust, abundance from scraps. Now, in ancient times, the time from when we get this story, all the good, all the rich, all the best soil was used for wheat. Because wheat is picky. It needs good, rich soil, and it needs tending. And then it makes delicious, fluffy, glutinous bread. I'm married to a bakery owner, so I know this. (laughs) Good bread. Bread fit for kings and queens and those with means, people with money. I also come from farmers, so I verified this with my farmer brother because I thought barley was grown differently, and it's true. Barley doesn't take any effort. It will take the crappiest soil you have available, the little leftover bits that the wheat is not using, and it will thrive in that Barley makes bread for poor people, for peasants. So don't miss that part of this story. These were barley loaves. The Gospel of John included that for a reason. So Jesus takes this peasant bread and he feeds the world. Abundance from scraps. And that story is enough, actually. That's enough. That's enough for today and this year, maybe. But there's actually a little bit more, and I love where the story ends. Because this experience of abundance is life-changing. Do you know when you've experienced something so incredible, and you're in a crowd and you've all had the same experience? That's what was happening. And this crowd immediately wants to make Jesus their king because of it, by force, which is a hilarious response to the gospel. And strikes me also as deeply human. You show us amazing, miraculous beauty, Jesus. Love and abundance. And you know what? We want more. We're so hungry for more that we're going to force you to be our king. And wily Jesus, again, slips away back up to the mountain to pray. And evening rolls around and the disciples go down to the sea. And they get into a boat and they start making their way across the sea, across Lake Minnetonka. And it is dark. They should have been in bed. It was a poor life decision. Because a storm whips up all around them, and they are terrified. It is about to swamp their boat. And they are terrified as they row, not because of the storm in the middle of the night, not because they are in the middle of Lake Minnetonka and the storms are raging, they are terrified because they see Jesus walking toward them on the water. It freaks them out. No matter the miracle that they just experienced in the feeding, Jesus feeding people from scraps, no matter everything that they have experienced up until this moment, they forget it all in an instant, and they're terrified. And Jesus, being Jesus, does not shame them. Does not, I told you a million times, people. Jesus doesn't do any of that. I would. I would. I would be like, I've been drilling this into you from day one. Mm -mm. Jesus is not like that. Jesus says, oh, honey, I know you forget. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to come to you again. It's what I do. I'll meet you right where you are. I'll come to you. Again, 
I know you forget. I know you forget about the abundance and the life and the beauty and the love and the feeding. I know that about you. I know that about you. So I'll come to you. And Jesus does. And when Jesus meets them, they arrive on the shore. Isn't that beautiful? Take that in a minute. When Jesus when Jesus meets their boat, they arrive on the shore. When Jesus meets you, you arrive. You begin again and again and again. Now, I think in our minds, we would like it to work like this. We want the cancer miracle story. I want it for about a dozen people in my life right now. We think, if this miracle happens, and then, then we will believe. If Jesus heals this cancer, then I will believe. And this story is a reorientation of that. It changes that direction. This story is when we trust, we will witness miracles all around us. Right now, this moment, today, we are being met by God who comes to us over and over and over. That's the invitation. We are invited to trust that. That Jesus holds us, that Jesus holds you, that Jesus holds everyone. In this moment, we have full connection to God. Right now, right here. And when we trust that, that is when we arrive. That is when we begin. Again. So welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to this story of abundance. It's your story. Amen. Amen.